Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to Legally Sound Smart Business. This is Nasser Pasha. This is Matt Staub. And welcome to our Friday episode of Legally Sound Smart Business. Once again, I'm telling you the name so you don't forget. Where we cover business in the news, I answer some of the uh, business legal questions that you, the listener, can send in at ask at legallysoundsmartbusiness.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Ask Biz Law. And also, you can participate in our weekly AMA ask me anything on Reddit, on various subreddits. Just search for Legally Sound Smart Business. You should be able to find us and participate. If there's anything this podcast is good for, it is repetition because the intro comes in before we talk, saying what the show is and our (laughs) names, and then we instantly just say our names and the show multiple (laughs) times. Yeah. So the first 30 seconds someone listens to this podcast, they should know who we are and, and what it is, hopefully. If not, then I'm just going <laughs> to randomly shout it out during the middle of the show. Well, I agree. I think we should play the intro just in the middle of the show, just so people know what's going on. But you know, you, you were against that. We do have a little sound break between the story and the question, but there's no one speaking during that time. Yeah, we just need someone saying, you are listening to Legally Sound Smart Business with Matt Staub and Nasser <laughs> Pasha. Or some cool question of the day cut that we got someone to tell us. All right, I'm, I'm just going to get to the story. Going nowhere with this. All right. So I don't really watch reality shows, but I'm familiar with them. I've heard of Temptation Island. So this story is about the real heroes of these reality shows, the crew that has to film. And this is something I've always wondered, too, <laughs> because you'll see all these crazy things and all this stuff. But as bad as it can get for the actual people on the show, it has to be 10 times worse for the people filming it. And this particular story with Temptation Island kind of evidences that. And we'll get into the legal side, but I'll give a little background. So this person is saying, when they worked on the show, they worked in 90 plus degree heat for three weeks straight with no days off. 18-hour days, and every third night, I was required to pull an overnight shift. So a 36-hour shift every third day. I mean, there's some issues with that, kind of, but there definitely is. But they're saying they only paid $600 a week. They're complaining about that. It breaks down to, I guess, $600 a week isn't going to be enough if they're working that many hours. I didn't do the math in my head. (laughs) So it sounds like there's some minimum wage issues just with all the overtime that they would be required to pay. But these guys are in Belize, right? So it doesn't even matter. These guys aren't protected by anything. That's the problem. Oh, was this filmed out of the country? Yeah, that makes more sense then. Yeah, that's the issue. So that was the financial issue. And then (laughs) I guess they flew all the important people home first, so the cast and all that. And then I guess a hurricane hit before the crew could fly back. So they were stuck there for days. The summary of this is, is shows are being cheap with the actual crew. And it's pretty unfortunate for them. But the problem is, they can find other people to do it if these people that are complaining are going to continue to you know, not want to do it. Yeah. And I'm just reading some of these comments because there are other people that are sharing their experiences. But most importantly is, okay, we're talking about the crew here, but also the actual competitors are said to be treated very horrible. Let me just read this. I think it's pretty interesting. This is someone that worked at a cooking competition show, and they said that they treated contestants like prisoners. Whenever we'd transport them in vans, we weren't allowed to play any music and they weren't allowed to talk. (laughs) Every single day starting around 5 a.m. with an hour-long dead silent van ride from the house to the kitchen. They usually wouldn't get back to the house until midnight. If they were lucky, those judge tables took a minimum of four hours and sometimes took up to six. 
where they'd be given cheap beer and not allowed to go to sleep until two or so. Ever since working on that show, I just feel sorry for anybody on reality TV. And it goes on a little bit, but I think that's kind of demonstrative of the actual industry. But I've heard the same stories. And the problem is these contestants, there has been some objections to consider these reality show contestants as actors and maybe employees even, but it's kind of a fine line there. Do you have a problem with the things that these shows are doing then from a legal perspective? Well, I think so. I mean, you know, especially with this Temptation Island, right? You're filming in Belize. And earlier this week, we talked about control over employee. And when you have an employee, especially away from home, I assume that away from home. Yeah, exactly. They're away from home, literally on an island. If they say they're in Belize, I don't know if they're actually on an island, but I digress. But if they have them, you know, away from home and supposedly kind of away from everything, working long hour days in a country where they don't have those employment law protections, there's some inherent unfairness there. And even if they quit, they need the job. This person was being paid $600 a week, and uh, which is not a lot, but you know they probably needed the job. Yeah. You know, different story, I guess, this is happening in the US. But I would think that this probably does happen with reality shows in the US. Yeah, I think so. I mean, maybe they may be within the bounds of the law, but I think with the contestants, I think they can easily do that because they're producing a show and when you're being filmed 24-7 or even if it's not 24-7, having those long days and you've seen these reality shows. Honestly, I think that's what makes good television because, well, in other people's eyes, because if you have people constantly being watched and kind of sleep deprived or working all day, they're going to be very stressed and start acting the way they do on TV. And I think otherwise normal people start acting out in a way that's uh, good for television. Yeah. I mean, that's how they get their footage. It's basically sleep depriving these people and then just giving them unlimited alcohol. And then it just, that's how you get all the chaotic things on the reality shows. There you go. I don't even know the last reality show I watched. I think I watched season one of Survivor, but that was, I don't even know how long ago that was. That was a long time ago. Yeah. I watched the season one of Survivor. That was pretty fun. I think that was pretty much besides the real world. That was kind of the start of the whole thing, right? I think that was the first like really big reality show that was on one of the major networks. And everyone watched and Yeah, unless I'm forgetting the something. Finale and all that. Which I probably am forgetting something, but that's fine. Probably. You're listening to the Legally Sound Smart Business Podcast with Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. Question of the day. Question of the day. My friend has a file with over ten thousand pieces of debt that he received from a collection agency that went under. What legal steps do I have to take to just be able to sit in my house and call these people up and have them send me money? <laughs> this question's pretty funny. Yeah, it is It is kind of funny. Uh, someone posted this on Reddit for us, and one of the responses was, I would hate some random person that would buy my debt. But in reality, that's what happens every day. If you own debt, whether it's a mortgage or some other credit card that's gone into collections or whatever, your debt gets transferred multiple times, sometimes in the same month even, because how it works is these debts are packaged and graded bit depending upon its predictability of how it's going to be collected. And they're packaged into groups and people buy them in bulk. Yeah. And I think this guy's answer might be in the question that, I guess not his answer, but there's a clue in here. He bought it from an agency that went under. So they this company wasn't successful in collecting debt from these people. So I have a feeling that he's probably not going to be successful either. I would assume trying to get people to pay back their debt is pretty difficult unless you want to, even if you win some sort of lawsuit, it still can be pretty difficult to actually get a collection from someone. Yeah, but I think what people do is, you know, you have 10,000 pieces of debt, you know, assuming that's, you know, at least a couple hundred dollars each, maybe, I don't know, probably more. 
making the call every day, people paying partial payments or whatever. You know, people do want to pay their debts most of the time, and a lot of times they just can't. So anyway, get to the question. What are the legal steps to do that? There are a lot of issues when it comes to debt collection, especially if they're consumer debt. Most of the time there are. It's unlikely that you came across some kind of commercial debt, but let's assume that it's, it's consumer debt for this moment because you have the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, which governs when you can call, how you can collect, and all these different various rules. You know, This is the law that protects us from getting calls or door knocks in the middle of the night from debt collectors, right? That's an important aspect. We assume that he legitimately has the rights to collect debt too. Yeah. It's assumption that's made in the question. So that's kind of step one. That's actually a huge point because actually one of the best ways, and this is kind of a tidbit for those that owe money, one of the best ways to challenge a debt collector, especially in the court of law, you know, not over the phone, it might be a different issue, is proving whether or not they actually own the debt. Because you can assign debt through the promissory note so long as its documentation is done properly over and over again. But you have to have a chain of title, so to speak, when it comes to assigning debt. So for example, just as an analogy, just when you buy a house and sell it to another person and that person sells it to the other person, there's a chain of title that's a paper record. You need the same kind of paper record for this debt. Yeah. Oh, there's one more issue too I just thought of okay. is licensing. There are some states in the country, I don't believe California, Texas, and New York, the states that are firm practices law, has those kind of requirements for licenses, but I know many of the other states in the country do. Honestly, I think it's pretty much all the other states besides those three has those kind of licensing requirements. So you may have some work to do. So I think we answered this question. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think we pretty much gave them a step-by-step thing. I think those are all the issues. And besides the legal issues of running a business, you might want to have an entity and all of that. But those are the general concepts. Yeah. Well, I think that's it. <laughs> yeah. Have fun uh, trying to collect debt from people. Good luck. Yeah. I just think it's funny that this random guy has uh, the ownership, supposedly, of all these people's debts. It's kind of just funny how the world works like that. Most likely someone who was a crew member on Temptation Island, but... <laughs> Nice tie-in. You're always good yeah, at that. I always try to tie in on Friday. Yeah. So we tell people we can leave iTunes reviews. I don't know if we mentioned that this week. I always try to do the loose ends on Friday too. Yeah, you can definitely leave some reviews on iTunes. Going back to our Monday's episode, also ratemyprofessors.com, which uh, <laughs> though we're not professors, we'd appreciate a positive review. Any kind of positive reviews we appreciate. It's actually funny. Since we've been recording, I went to the website and was looking. For whatever reason, I went to my law school and was just reading some of the reviews that people left for the prof- some of the professors I had. <laughs> it was pretty funny. And they were pretty accurate too. So I enjoyed that. Yeah. And I'm sure these professors read their own reviews, which must be like just frustrating, I'm sure. Well, that's the thing is the only reviews on there are going to be people that really like you or people that really hate you, most likely. You don't see a lot of middle of the road reviews. So, Well, I think that's reviews in general. At least they say so. But Yelp has done studies because, look, Yelp is always doing studies to justify what they're doing. But they've said that that's not the case because there's a lot of like mediocre reviews or three or four star reviews anyway. But that's a different issue. All right. Always have to mention Yelp every episode. Every episode. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Yep. Keep it sound and keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasir Pasha and Matt Stop. 
The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.